Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and we are thrilled to have you aboard for another edition of Hawk Central Radio right here on 106.3 KXNO. A special episode tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock. My name is Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. I'm a sports columnist who covers the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes' idle week was anything but idle with fallout last week over the Cooper DeGene punt return call. The rug being pulled out from Noah Shannon yet again from the NCAA. And then on Monday, publicly anyway, the eventual dismissal of Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator was announced. Uh, that broke publicly a little more than 48 hours ago, which led to an emergency Hawk Central pod on Monday, another pod on Tuesday to discuss Kirk Ferentz's reaction to his son being ousted by university leadership. And now plenty of more conversation on this topic that is kind of at a, a boil uh, more so than a simmer uh, still two days later. I mentioned special edition of Hawk Central because my usual sidekick, a Register Hawkeyes reporter Tyler Tashman, is joining us on the phone as usual. But I'm also super pleased to welcome in one last time, I think, Andrew Downs of KXNO and Hawkeye Nation fame. Andrew is leaving KXNO at the end of this week after 15 years with the station, and uh, I could not be more appreciative of his efforts to have Hawk Central on the airwaves here in Des Moines for a ninth consecutive year. Andrew, welcome. Uh, you will be missed greatly by me. I can say that for sure, and I'm proud to call you a friend. Thanks for joining us one last time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'll be available to be on uh, you know, in, in the future as well, but no, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I love what you guys and uh, and Randy and, and Travis have added uh, on, on Cyclone Insider on Monday nights to, to KXNO's lineup. It's been a, a fantastic relationship. Uh, but more than that, I, I, I like this show. I'm a fan of the show. I'm a good friend of yours, Chad. I appreciate what you do. And uh, the, the few times I've been able to fill in as a host on this show or come on yeah. to, to kind of provide the fan aspect of, of certain things, uh, I've always really enjoyed. And so, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm, I appreciate you having me on. Well, you have always been kind of our resident voice of the fans, so to speak. And uh, before we get going here with Tyler, uh, how would you, I just want our listeners uh, who haven't heard as much from you maybe in the past, uh, obviously there are, we, we have a lot of new audience this week, I've noticed. <laughs> uh, how would you describe kind of your feelings as a, a longtime Hawkeye fan of Kirk and Brian Ferentz over the years, and what was your reaction Monday when you heard this news? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, complicated, right? You, you have a lot of different feelings, and I'm sure it's, it's even more so as, as you get closer to the program. But, you know, it, it pretty instantly for me when it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're mad about something, you're upset with the way things are going. And, and when I say that, I mean the offense at, at Iowa and, and Brian Ferentz's leadership of that offense, uh, the quarterback recruitment and development, all of the things that have upset us over the last several years, uh, at the very least. And, and pretty quickly, I moved into uh, some level of kind of uh, not not begrudging, but, but certainly respect um, and an acknowledgement of what Brian Ferentz has done for the program and has meant to the program. And I, mean, I, I, I had classes with him at Iowa, right? I mean, he oh, wow. was, he's about my age. Um, he was a player here. He has been a good coach at, at times here and, and has done really good things. He has devoted. I mean, uh, when I read the statement from Beth Getz on Monday, it was like, yeah, this is all true. He has devoted most of his adult life to this program. Um, I do think he's a good coach. I'd be surprised if he doesn't find a way somewhere else and maybe ultimately become a head coach and, and a successful one. It just wasn't working here. The situation got so toxic. 
Uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad that there there is an end now, and and now there's just so many more questions about what this all means, what it's going to look like. Does this change anything this season? What does the off season look like? It's going to be really interesting to see all of this unravel and kind of unwrap this uh, this snake that you know the Ferentz family has had around this program for so long. Uh, but but I, I was able to to pretty quickly move into some level of, of appreciation for Brian Ferentz mm-hmm. and and what he and that family have given to Iowa football and all of the the fun I've had watching this team over the the years um and so it's it's a bit bittersweet now that being said i'm glad this move was made mm-hmm. i'm glad beth gets made this move uh I, it feels like there's a been a power dynamic shift within the iowa athletic department which i think is a good thing for the future um and it's just going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out yeah as you said very complicated tyler tashman and i were in the room where it happened yesterday as kirk ferentz was visibly upset at the timing of the announcement more than anything. Tyler, welcome. Uh, I know it was a belated welcome here. But 24 hours later, how do you kind of process the messaging uh, that Kirk Ferentz had to deliver yesterday? Um, well, my first process is that it, it's a, this is a tough task to uh, follow up Andrew here on 15 years at the station and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, leaving and, and to try to follow that up is difficult for me here. But, um I don't know. I, I think that, you know, it, my feelings don't change a whole lot today than from yesterday. It feels like, you know, kind of like the emotions that you guys were talking about of it. It, it feels like it's going to it's gonna take a, a while to kind of compartmentalize how you feel about this because it, it's a season that, all, that we're already so much has already happened. And um, not only that, but, I mean, I was in the middle of possibly getting to the Big Ten Championship it just feels like sort of, at least for me speaking, an information overload where there's just a lot happened really quickly when there was already a lot going on. It, it feels like, I mean, the Minnesota game feels like a lifetime ago. I like, I can't even remember know, what happened in that does. game, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And then it's like, oh yeah, they play on Saturday as well. So this has been like the longest bye week I think I could have ever imagined. Um, but no, I complicated i guess i would say i you know i think the timing of the decision by beth gets is what made this decision i guess maybe more polarizing than it would have been if it happened um after the season but yeah that's that's kind of my thoughts right now i think i'm still I'm still kind of processing everything too i think kirk ferentz is processing everything that's what that's the main sense i got yesterday andrew was just that here's a guy that uh, has been supported, loved his time at the University of Iowa. I'm not saying he doesn't love it now, but uh, I'm saying it's probably clouded right now. Uh, if if you work somewhere for 25, 34 years, uh, if you think about his time as an assistant coach, and you know, pretty much, you know, Brian Ferentz was was born down the street <laughs> from King Stadium. Um, you know, played for him, first of three sons to play for him, now coaches for him. Uh, you know, and the University of Iowa, had, you know, across the river, over at Carver, however you want to phrase it, it, it all, you know, this was a unified decision from the president's office to the athletic director, uh, you know, has come into your football program and made a change that you couldn't make. So uh, he's dealing with all this, and I think that's why his answers were kind of short and like, I've got to focus on this game because I think he does have to focus on this game. That's all he can do. In this moment, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's it's that complicated thing where, on one hand, I I, I feel for Kirk Ferentz, 
Uh, he he has. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a father, not of an adult son, but I can imagine how difficult this is yeah. for their family. On the other end, he he made this bed. He needs to lie in it. This is something that probably should have been done two years ago. Certainly should have been done over this past off season. And 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 since he was unable to make that move, it had to be made for him. I think uh, what what I took away from yesterday was a lot of that that shock, that kind of. Um, you know, I, I'm not in control of this and I'm used to being in control mm. of things. And then also just the, this isn't the way we do it. Uh, this is how, this is not how I would do it. This is not how I want it to be done. Uh, if this needs to happen, there's a way that I want this to happen and right. this isn't it. Right. Um, but this is a different world. I mean, I we Iowa fans know that the transfer portal isn't going to wait until after a bowl game. You need to let everybody know that a change is happening uh, as soon as possible. And, and so um, the other kind of big takeaway I have from this whole thing is, uh, as I said on on Hawkeye Nation, the, you know the Brian Ferentz era is ending. I think the Beth Getz era just began. I think we've mm-hmm. seen a strong move from her. Um, I wasn't sure. You know, all all morning Monday, you're kind of hearing the rumors. Uh, Chad, you were texting the the Hawk Central text group. Uh, I was talking to Keith Murphy here at KXNO about what he had been hearing, and I wasn't sure how this was going to come down and who it was going to come from. And I was very glad to see that it came from Beth Getz, and it's. I made this decision. I informed Brian. Uh, I was glad to see her take questions yesterday, talk to the media yesterday. I think that needed to happen. She's out in front of this. She believes in this decision. Um, and and so I think this was a, a big move for the future of Iowa athletics under Beth Getz um, and, and a, a big you know nod to everybody that, hey, we understand we see this for, for the reality that it is. I mean, Kirk Ferentz had a, a, a quote a couple of weeks ago or maybe after the game at Minnesota where he's like, I don't think we're insane. You yeah, know, we, we right. know what we're seeing. We're doing this thing. And, and I, Kirk Ferris knows more about football than I'll ever know. He, he's, he's a brilliant man and a brilliant football coach. Uh, but there, there is clearly a disconnect from what is what he is seeing or what he believes and what's actually happening on the field. And it just felt like it was time for somebody else to step in. And uh, so I was glad to see Beth Getz finally do that. Yeah. There, uh, some fans have reached out to me at times, and and I appreciate their observations on this kind of stuff because they would say like, it really bothers me when in a press conference, uh, you know, like a post game or even a Tuesday press conference, when Kirk Ferentz will pull out like, oh, here was one special teams play that we we did poorly, and that's really got to change, and we we got to get off the field on defense. You know, not let them go down and score like that, and then it's just like the offense gets glossed over. Yeah, and I think that people detected that and is like, "Can you take accountability for the offense?" That I mean, this is his offense. He's in the offensive meetings, and I think that frustration built and built and built. And I agree. Uh, I mean, his track record is certainly impeccable, but he just would not go far enough to ever really criticize. The offense, right? And he's not. And Austin Blythe, former Hawkeye, kind of called me out on Twitter. What did you? He said to me, uh, "You know, what do you? What do you expect him to do? He's never thrown people under the bus before." And I, I totally get that. I respect that. And I, I realize that's part of what happened yesterday. He's not going to go down throwing anybody under the bus. Not Brian Ferentz. Not Deacon Hill. But I think fans just want a little accountability. That's all. Just like, you know what? This is a bottom line business. For two straight years, we've been last in the country in offense. Uh, I understand the decision. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. That's kind of, I think that's the minimum, I, or at least something I think folks wanted to hear and 
Maybe didn't, and maybe that's too much to expect uh, because that is not Kirk Ferentz's track record. So we shouldn't expect that, I guess. Yeah, and and you know, I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I was listening to the press conference. You know, he kind of laid out his thoughts, and then I. He, he kind of immediately went into like a, a Marshawn Lynch thing of, you know, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Like, hey, I'm focused <laughs> on the next game. I'm focused on these next four games. I thought you asked a good question. Scott Docterman asked good questions. He was asked the hard questions. He was asked the questions that fans claim you guys sometimes <laughs> don't ask, uh, which is ridiculous. But um, and, and he just kind of towed that company line of, hey, I'm, I'm focused on this next game, these next four games. Uh, and, and I think part of that was like, you know, him being – uh, you know, for lack of a better word, a little petty of, hey, this is how I do this. I'm not going to evaluate even my position within this program mm-hmm. until the end of the season. Uh, we shouldn't have evaluated Brian's position until the end of the season, but that that's out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's that's what we're going to get from him, I think, over these next four games. Hopefully, over a, a Big Ten championship game and and a bowl game. But you couldn't wait until January to make a move like this. Not not in today's day and age. Yeah, I'm with you because uh, you know, the game would have ended. You know, January first, maybe, and then s- several days, and then even if he resigned, you know, resigned, he wouldn't have met the bet. He wouldn't have met the benchmarks. Right. It's clear he wasn't going to meet the benchmarks. So, uh, why wait? It, it wasn't going to be close. And those benchmarks going to be close. Those benchmarks. I mean, I saw the stat this week that no team in the Big Ten West is scoring twenty five points a game. Mm-hmm. So you could make an argument sitting here right now that. That's too high of a bar. That's kind of unfair to Brian Ferentz to say, you know, the bar is you have to have the best offense in the Big Ten West. Like, that's not real fair. Now, that's not a real high bar to clear nationally. But it it also just illustrates how ridiculous this contract was from the beginning. I mean, this was a bad idea from Gary Barta the day it happened. It's been a bad idea ever since. This is the closest thing you can do at this point uh, to, to putting an end to that whole conversation. Um, and and so I think that that part of it is good too. Iowa maybe will not be quite as big of a laughing stock nationally as they have been throughout most of this season. You're listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Lastico talking Hawkeye football with Tyler Tashman and Andrew Downs. Tyler, uh, let's uh, transition the conversation now uh, into what's next. What is the absolute? And I want definitely want to get your opinion on this too, Andrew. What is the absolute best way for Kirk Ferentz to proceed? going forward and what does a storybook ending look like for Kirk when I, I, as simple as that sounds it because of everything that's kind of happened in the last two weeks starting with the reversal of Cooper to Jean's uh, part return touchdown that would have given you know was the go-ahead touchdown against Minnesota obviously gets wiped out the emotions of that then what happened this week with Brian Ferentz it just feels like Iowa so badly needs to win against Northwestern on Saturday. It just feels like it feels like a win would just kind of settle things a little bit, you know, to be able to get back in the win column. Um, a loss to Northwestern, and look, we'll talk about this later. Northwestern has not been as bad as people thought, even close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're competitive, so this isn't a game that Iowa can just sleepwalk through. But in the immediate future, I mean, it feels like. Saturday just it needs to be a win because if it if it isn't, it feels like the rest of the season can unravel really quickly. And I think Iowa has done a good job up to this point of performing on the field in spite of all the distractions. Look, the offense has been bad, but the defense has been good and seems to be getting better. Special teams has been really good in spite of everything that you know, all this drama and everything going around. Iowa still six and two. But I could see a scenario in which all of the outside distractions, you know, or 
the the outside distractions are reciprocated with Iowa's results on the field. They've done a good job of not letting it affect too much this season, but it just feels like the storm on the outside of the program is setting up for possibly a collapse on the field. So I, the, sure. the, the challenge for Iowa is to continue to not let that happen and 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 win. Uh, to me, the rest of the season, that's really the only remedy. Yeah, and Kirk Ferentz has been terrific at this in his tenure. Yes. <laughs> Rallying the troops, buckling down, and getting the job done, especially like going on the road. I had a, uh, That's part of my column for the game day advance uh, from the text group was like, is going on the road, is that a good thing this week? And yes, I think it is, uh, especially uh, on the road in the Big Ten West where they've actually been pretty darn good for the most part in recent years. Uh, Andrew, I kind of want to look even further ahead. Yeah. Though. Like what does what does the what is the best case scenario for the end of the Kirk Ferentz era? And we're uh, don't want to get too swept up in this. I've, yeah. I've had friends remind me of this. You don't want to uh, uh, one friend of me put it in economic terms like Sometimes people talk about all oh, recessions coming, recessions coming, and then you think you're in a recession, but you're not, and you don't. <laughs> you're not in a recession. Like this is not the necessarily the end of the Ferentz era. He could be here another five years. But what is the what does the transition now look like? Not necessarily this season, but after January first or after December second, whatever for Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's two ways it goes, right? And and the the storybook ending of each way is is they they win these next four games, they win the Big 10 West, they compete in a Big 10 championship game, whether or not they win, I'm not expecting that, and they go and win a bowl game and then Kirk says, "Hey, it's been 25 years. Uh, you know, I've I've done all of this stuff. I'm I'm ready to walk away. Uh, no hard feelings." He's you know, I, cuz I I really as Iowa fans, I don't want this to end in a sour with a sour note at all, and I'm I'm afraid that'll happen if it ends after this year, uh, especially if like Tyler says things kind of fall apart here over these next few weeks. Uh, beyond that, I think the only way we get a storybook ending from Kirk Ferentz is if he actually hands this offense yeah. over to somebody. And mm-hmm. now I was in a big boy conference. They can go and take an offensive coordinator from another Power Five school. They can pay somebody a million and a half dollars, two million dollars to come here and change yep. this offense. But it's not going to change if he doesn't allow it to change. And so I think a storybook ending is he goes and gets, whether it's a name or not, I don't care about the name, but somebody who he can actually hand this offense over to, give them a year or two to to recruit to a new offensive style, keep Phil Parker where he is, keep LeVar Woods where he is, and grow this team. And in a few years, in a new Big Ten, you're competing legitimately for a Big Ten championship. And and whether or not you ever get to that mountaintop, whether or not you ever make a 12-team playoff, I don't think Kirk Ferentz needs those things legacy-wise uh, to, to, to get the statue he deserves outside of Kinnick Stadium. But I do think if he's able to let go of this offense and let a new offensive coordinator come in and change things, that would be the best case scenario to see Kirk 3.0 or whatever point oh it would I be. Think at it might this be five point oh. Probably it's either so. four or five. Yeah, new, 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 new. Well, is Kirk. new Kirk three oh? Uh, yeah, I think he probably Over, was okay. three point so Maybe it's uh, who knows. Is it one? No, it's two point <laughs> new Kirk. Yeah. Well, this anyway. Yeah. So yeah, whatever point oh, whatever version of Kirk <laughs> Ferentz we would get, I think that's best case scenario. We get kind of a rejuvenated Kirk Ferentz. Um, you know, we still get mm. some of these snarky comments in the post game press conferences and things like that. The things that we've uh, we've enjoyed over the last couple of years and in his later years. Um, but I do think that's best case scenario is he doesn't leave after this year. There's no sour taste. He allows the program to evolve, but keeps the things that he's been so good at there. Uh, and then when he does decide to hang it up, uh, it's a, it's an all around good feeling. 
And that's what I hope happens. Because uh, again, I don't yeah. want this to end poorly for anybody. I, I would hate if I look back at the quarter of a century of Kirk Ferentz football mm-hmm. and there's any bad taste in my mouth about it at all. Because yeah. there shouldn't be. He do, he doesn't deserve that. He can do that. Yes. He showed he could change after 2014. Will he do that? What I'm not think? confident. I'm not yeah. confident in it just because we, we've seen three offensive coordinators and we've seen essentially the same offense with, with all of those. Now it's gotten worse uh, yeah. and the, the quarterback recruitment and development is as bad as it's been. Um, but I'm, I am worried that a new offensive coordinator comes in and nothing really changes. And even if it's a little bit better, even if it's Nate Stanley better, uh, that it's not going to be enough to appease this fan base and that it, that it will ultimately end in a bad way. Man, a lot of drama ahead. Uh, and it starts this week against Northwestern. Yes, it does. And Wrigley Field. Yes, it does. And I think Tyler's exactly right. You have to win this game. I mean, it, this feels like bigger. It feels like 2020 game three, right? Yeah, you you yeah. start 0-2 after that terrible offseason, everything swirling around the program, you know, the season being canceled, all those things. And it really felt like, man, it, it, this is going to fall apart quickly and Kirk is going to be gone and it's going to be terrible. And... They rallied. They won all those games. They would have won the other games that, that were scheduled that they, they didn't get to play, uh, and it's been pretty good since then. And so um, I hope that we see something like that this weekend uh, because you're right, a loss at Wrigley Field to, to this Northwestern team is going to feel like more than just a one loss. Absolutely. Iowa's still 6-2, and two, has 92 wins. Someone in my text group pointed that out, and I added it up. He's right. It's 92 wins in the last 10-plus seasons, wow. and that includes – the shortened 2020 season That's incredible. and not a full season yet this season. So uh, still a lot of wins in there. And Brian Ferentz, 57 and 25 as offensive coordinator. Um, but pretty, Phil pretty Parker, good. 57 and 25 as defensive <laughs> yes. coordinator. His record probably yes. should be like 70 and whatever. <laughs> yes. So anyway, thank you, Andrew. I uh, really guys. enjoyed this. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, thanks for everything over the years. I'll, and, uh, I'll let's still stay be listening. Touch. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know where to find me. I'll still be listening. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work, both of you. I'll be reading and listening and following along. Yeah, best of luck uh, to Andrew in his uh, next venture. Uh, just a class, A, a plus class guy uh, all the way around. Thank you, Andrew. Coming up next, five big questions about Iowa Northwestern on Saturday. You're listening to Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico, Hawkeyes columnist for the Des Moines Register. Thank you to Andrew Downs. Uh, outstanding first segment. His perspective uh, was uh, welcomed. Excellent, as always. But now we move on. Uh, joined by Hawkeyes beat writer again, Tyler Tashman. Uh, Tyler, it's Iowa versus Northwestern. We really haven't talked about this game at all this week, and it's time. Uh, 2.30 p.m. kickoff Saturday on Peacock from Wrigley Field, the friendly confines. Uh, Paul Burmeister, former Hawkeye quarterback, is on the call, along with uh, former Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph. Iowa favored by five points. The over-under at last check was 30 and a half. Five big questions, Tyler. Number one, what has spurred Northwestern to a 4-4 and record, and what should concern Hawkeye fans about the Wildcats? I think, to me... The biggest concern is not in the stat sheet per se, but it's more of the fact that the, the fight that Northwestern has shown this season. Because when you talk about Iowa dealing with, you know, the circumstances they have, Northwestern has dealt with a lot of 
circumstances around their program with Pat Fitzgerald, um, you know, moving, you know, being out as Northwestern's head coach, mm-hmm. um, it, it and what Northwestern had coming back. I mean, it, it felt like this was a team that would maybe have one or two wins, and here they are with four wins, um, and, and they actually have a chance of winning the West. It's not yeah, they do. Chance, it is crazy. Like, uh, but they're still in the running. So the, the fact that they have been able to rally, they have been able to show fight, you know, when it would have been easy for them just to kind of pack it in this season, knowing everything going around the pro, you know, going outside of the program and what they had dealt with. So, they, I mean, this seems like it's going to be a, a, a team that's going to, going to fight and they're not going to roll over under any circumstances against Iowa. They they've shown that they can take punches this season and respond. So I think Iowa's persistence in their resolve, which following the Penn state game was good and talking with the players, you know, directly after the Minnesota game, which was last week, it has seemed to be good. But I, you know, I think that kind of intangible side of things will really be tested in this game. Yeah. Northwestern definitely showed us something, coming back from a a 21-point deficit against Minnesota, forcing overtime, winning against the Gophers in overtime, 37-34. This is a team that was tied with Penn State at halftime, 10-10, or I think it was tied. It was was definitely competitive. Uh, Beat Maryland this past week, 33-27. And, you know, the four four of their losses are pretty darn legit. At Rutgers, or all four of their losses, at Rutgers, who's who's turned out to be a really good team, 6-2, Penn State, at Nebraska, which uh, you know is playing some great defense right now, and at Duke, which uh, was a you know top fifteen team at the time. So, uh, you know, this is also a team though that beat Howard twenty three to twenty. So, it's a beatable team. We don't want to paint them as some kind of juggernaut. This is a beatable team, but Iowa needs to go out and do it. Question number two, Tyler: How will the improved health for the Hawkeyes? impact this game Kirk Ferentz in his opening statement yesterday talked about a pretty good health report uh the only guy that's not in the season ending category that's that's probably out this game is cornerback TJ Hall he's your fourth corner so not necessarily you know a debilitating loss uh no Noah Shannon unfortunately it sounds like his earliest uh, potential return will be against Rutgers next week but uh, you, you, know, you get Deshaun Lee fully back. You get presumably Addison Ostrenga healthier. Left tackle Mason Richmond has been dealing with some stuff. He's healthier. Uh, you would think Y.A. Black and Joe Evans, after two more weeks uh, of rest and recuperation, give more juice to that defensive line. So uh, how much does that stuff matter? I'm not going to say – I don't think it hurts Iowa in any way, but I, I don't think it will have a big impact because the guys that Iowa really needs back aren't coming back for this game. Like like Luke Lachey, Eric Hall, Cade McNamara, some, the, the guys on offense that are game breakers that are out right now, you know, Luke Lachey – or Luke Lachey, there's a chance they said he could come back for a bowl, but Cade McNamara and Eric Hall are done for the season. So – I think the, I don't know, the guys that are out for an extended period of time are the guys that Iowa really needed on the offensive. And I, I think defensively, with some of those guys getting healthier, um, like I said, obviously it doesn't hurt. But where you really need the most help is on offense, and you really need playmakers. 
and a quarterback on offense, and the guys that are hurt aren't going to be coming back anytime soon. This is a Northwestern team that has given up 35 sacks. This is, uh, and if the defensive line can kind of assert itself in November. So if you've got a healthy YA Black who is starting to play his very best football uh, of the year at Wisconsin, and you get a healthy Joe Evans who was uh, a game wrecker uh, at times in September, um, and you maybe bring Noah Shannon back next week, I feel like this defensive line could maybe help Iowa plow through this November stretch all winnable games but all losable games as well so I do think that that you know there's something to be said at least about just getting that bye week we felt like they needed it one week earlier it didn't happen they lost to Minnesota uh, and I do think I think the I don't know how how much healthier Mason Richmond is going to be but we know uh, Nick DeYoung should be healthier as well so I think that just helps along the offensive line and uh, what uh, Jennings Dunker did go down in that uh, Minnesota game, if if you recall, and uh, he was not mentioned by Kirk yesterday either. So, uh, seemingly all good news. We'll we'll check out the injury report at twelve thirty on Saturday, of course. But uh, at least that's uh, you know the the benefit of the bye week here is is guys rested, recovered, and uh, hopefully uh, refreshed with some fresh legs for November and potentially a Big Ten title game on December second. All right, number three, Tyler. Uh, this will be a fun one, I think. Which Chicago native for the Hawkeyes has the best chance at a homecoming to remember? I listed three in the rundown. Now I'll let you take it from there. I'll say the one that I feel like Iowa needs the most to have a big game, and that's Sean Williams. Um, because of the state of Iowa's passing attack and, and Deacon Hill obviously struggling a lot, I was, you know, going to have to be able to run the ball. It's just, it, it's right now, it feels like too much to ask to for reliable, consistent uh, quarterback play to, you know, enough to win. So, and, and Northwestern has allowed the second most uh, rushing yards per game in the Big Ten. So there's room for opportunity there. And we, I mean, we saw in the, uh, Wisconsin game, Leshawn Williams was just a massive, massive part of Iowa's win when he broke off that long touchdown run. Iowa struggled running the ball against Minnesota. Uh, there was no you know, long touchdown run like Leshawn Williams had against Wisconsin, and, and Iowa lost the game. And part of that, too, you know, I'm interested to see because of how Minnesota was approaching it, of stacking the box, basically daring Deacon Hill to throw that. You know, If I'm a defensive coordinator, if I'm Northwestern, if I'm uh, Rutgers, you know, whoever I was playing in the future, I'm I'm looking at that and I'm saying, let's make Deacon Hill beat us, um, and, and let's make sure Caleb Johnson and LeSean Williams don't, or Jazz Patterson. But uh, it might have to be on the ground. That 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 might be the only option the rest of the season, really, for Iowa if the quarterback play continues to be like this. So I, I'm going to say LeSean Williams. Uh, I had to look this up just now, so I don't blame if you don't know. But who was Iowa's leading rusher against Minnesota? Do you remember? Mm. Well, I know uh, I'm going to say Caleb Johnson. Yeah, six carries, 18 yards. LeSean yeah. was 11 carries, 13 yards. Yeah, and I was, uh, I don't know, it, it seemed like, and I understand giving LeSean a lot of looks after the Wisconsin game, but I, I was kind of, I thought it was interesting the lack of looks that Caleb was getting in that game. Yeah, just six. So, uh, you know, that was another guy that's that was banged up earlier in the year. Maybe he's refreshed uh, healthy as well so i'm interested to see how that works out 
But yeah, that's just a sign, I guess, Tyler, that you're right, that they the teams are going to make Deacon Hill try to beat them. And Iowa has to be ready for that. Now, he's had another two weeks as well. And we got a question coming up uh, about the passing game. So uh, I'll leave that there for now. But uh, I do think uh, LeSean's right on the list. But we didn't mention the other two Chicago natives are in the starting lineup. And that would be Sebastian Castro and Jamari Harris. So those guys both kind of with homecomings as well. Uh, something to watch anyway. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, can one of those guys kind of have a big moment? I feel like Jamari's kind of still waiting for his big moment this year on defense. Um, you know, Castro's had a pretty flashy year already. Uh, Harris maybe the one guy in that second year that hasn't had, had the big moment just yet. Um, so we'll see what, what he can do on Saturday in Chicago. All right, number four, Tyler. This, is, uh, this comes from the text group as well, but I liked it, and I didn't use it in my weekend column. So I wanted to use it here. And I think it was a, a really interesting question. Will the Iowa offense have more turnovers or touchdowns on Saturday? I feel like probably the safer bet is saying that there's going to be more turnovers than touchdowns. <laughs> that's so I mean, sad. I, it, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be like funny or anything. No, I know. I just, it, it is, a, but it's a legitimate question. Yeah, because I mean – I mean, I think it, there's real question of is, is Iowa going to score more than one touchdown offensively, and I mean that that's definitely debatable. And I feel like there's a much better chance that Iowa could turn the ball over two plus times. And I think you factor in of like, well, Iowa could get a defensive touchdown that they could end up winning with two turnovers and one offensive touchdown. Yeah. If, uh Jamari Harris has a pick six or whatever, and, and it, it was interesting you mentioned him against Northwestern because it was it I think it was in 2021 he had a pick at Northwestern is that right uh god I'm trying to remember it was yeah he, I think he did yeah it was 17-12 game that was the game Padilla came off the bench looked pretty good yeah I think you're right yeah but um yeah no so I'll just I'll and Beacon Hill with the and, and the thing about the I think was probably really frustrating about his fumbles against Minnesota is it wasn't like they were, it was, they weren't, they weren't reaching in there and, you know, he didn't have a tight grip on the ball and they were making incredible defensive plays. I mean, he was just in the pocket and they just hit him. And the ball just came out. It was, you know, he was, he was not taking care of the ball very well. It wasn't, wasn't some incredible defensive plays or anything. Um, so yeah, I guess that I'll, I'll say that you know, it's more likely that, They'll have more turnovers and offensive touchdowns. Yeah, Iowa three turnovers and one touchdown against Minnesota. Uh, against Wisconsin, they had no turnovers and one touchdown. So it is a valid conversation. I'm going to say just looking at Northwestern's defense, not a great defense, allowed 24 to Rutgers, 38 to Duke, 34 to Minnesota, 41 to Penn State, 20 to Howard, 27 to Maryland. I think there's opportunity there for, for the Hawkeyes to – to end up with more touchdowns than turnovers. I don't know what that final number is going to be. I'll let you know in my prediction what I think it'll be. But uh, there's I think I'm going to say more touchdowns. They're going to have to. They have to protect the ball. <laughs> just have to. Yeah. I mean, there's no, just uh, they, they were minus three against Minnesota, Minnesota, and they still just about pulled that off, if not for the uh, invalid fair catch signal. So uh, number five. Oh, and then by the way, Northwestern has forced. I don't want to say only, but it doesn't seem like a big number. They forced nine turnovers in eight games. It doesn't seem like a ton. So they're averaging about one. 
So mm-hmm. I think I, I think Iowa's chances to get two touchdowns are better than zero, which may be saying something. All right, number five, uh, Tyler. Last question: What do we expect from Brian Ferentz and Deacon Hill on Saturday? Complicated question, probably. What do you expect from? I'll let you take it where you want. What do you expect okay. from Brian and Deacon? Okay, I'll, I'll hit on the Brian side of things, and, and I feel like this the the way that the rest of the season has set up, it's sort of into that question where you have a coach or offensive coordinator or whatever it is coaching a bowl game and they know that they're going to be moving on from the program after that bowl game, right? Because you wonder, like, are they going to coach it differently knowing they're not going to be around or that, you know, so-and-so. And I think I, I know the answer to that, which is they're going to coach it the same way that they would have no matter what. And circumstances don't matter. All they're trying to do is win the game. That's I'm guessing what the answer would be. But I still, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm wondering just how things might be looked at differently if Brian Ferentz takes a chance on a play or if he continues to not. I, you know, it's just going to kind of, it, it adds another element to kind of how we look at, how we analyze the decisions that are made. And again, I don't think it'll be, I don't think the decisions he, are, he makes are going to change based on the circumstances, but it just does add another dynamic into, you know, the whole situation as it is for the entire team. But, you know, for, for the way that the play calls are. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention in the injury conversation is with Deshaun Lee healthy. Now I just, it's the last chance to try Cooper D Jean as a wildcat quarterback. <laughs> now I realize, I mean, it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, this is the time to do it. You can't wait any longer. So yeah, this after the bye week, you got Deshaun Lee healthy. Now that was the one thing in my mind that was at least potentially holding it back. Cooper wants to do it. Uh, now, if Brian does it now, though, like, is it going to look like I don't? I, 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 right. I it just it changes the perception of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're almost because I. Uh, because obviously yesterday we talked about, and that went viral on, on Monday, the, the fan that had the sign behind the World Series. <laughs> I imagine that would be you, except the sign would say, put Cooper DeGene at quarterback. <laughs> from my from the outdoor press box seat at Wrigley Field. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Which, uh, yeah, as a kid, I probably dreamed of, of covering a game in Wrigley Field, and uh, Saturday will be that chance. Uh, I'll, I'll go the Deacon Hill route here, uh, and I don't know what to expect. I mean, let me just be clear about that, but... Uh, I'm very. The bar is very, very low in my head. But I want to give Kirk Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz's words, some some due here. He he sees upside. I know that's a funny word for Hawkeye fans when we're talking about offense. But two weeks later, do we get something improved with Deacon Hill? We. You know, certainly press Kirk on quarterback. Deacon is still their best guy available. So, you know, what does he deliver in terms of performance? I I have to think it's going to be intense ball protection. The only way we lose this game is if, you know, it's minus three again in turnovers. So I think you're just going to see a super uh, careful game plan where they're happy to punt and almost to the point where he's not going to throw a pass unless it's wide open. So we'll see, though. But could be the other way around, like slinging it all over the place. I just don't see that happening. I think they're 
I think they realize the turnovers are killing them. And so I would say even if they're stacking the box, they're going to try to run it and figure out a way to move the ball uh, on the ground. I just don't think they can rely too much on the quarterback, but we'll see. I, I just don't expect much is all I'm saying. Yeah, and, and, to, and to the point about Cooper possibly playing quarterback, I think if, if Kirk isn't going to go with Joe Labus, I don't think he'll go with Cooper to Gene, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, it does. It does. If he's not going to put an actual quarterback back there, you know, like someone that can play the position to try to shake things up, I don't think he's going to put someone that doesn't. But That's a really good point, Tyler. Appreciate that. All right, coming up next, a little basketball talk as the men and women for the Hawkeyes open actual games next week, and we have an exhibition men's game to discuss. We also have our game predictions for Iowa Northwestern. You're listening to Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register taking you up to 7 o'clock and KXNO's Fantasy Camp Show. All right, Tyler Tashman, uh, you're joining me now uh, for our final segment, and you are coming coming off a men's basketball exhibition game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Uh, the Hawkeyes defeated Quincy 103-76. to That's how they were trailing that game early. Uh, the starters were DeSante Bowen, Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, Patrick McCaffrey, and Ben Cricky. McCaffrey, 16 points. Cricky, 14 points. Sanford, 13 points. Probably about what we expected uh, in an exhibition like that. But what did we learn from our first looks at the four Hawkeye freshmen and what depth might they be able to provide this season? Yeah, seven Iowa players in double figures. Um, and, and obviously, it's this game wasn't even played in November. It's still October. It's against Quin- Quincy. So, yeah. Be I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into it, but this is basically what we have to kind of analyze right now. Uh, it looks like this could be a team that is deeper than last season. And last season, they only had seven guys that averaged in double-figure minutes per game. Um, and especially in the front court, I mean, they were really heavily reliant on Chris Murray and Philip Robracha. Both of those guys are gone now. But it, it does feel like... Uh, especially with the four freshmen, uh, that, that, that there is some more depth. And, um, you know, Iowa might be able to, you know, trust its bench more, which is something that it, it really wasn't able to do that much last season. Um, and, and each of the four freshmen showed, the, you know, sort of ingredients of what they can provide this season. Brock Harding, uh, you know, crafty ball handler. He's undersized, but, um, you know, he can, he's quick, can make plays with the ball. Laji Dembele had this ridiculous chase down block. Um, he just came down and just swatted it against the backboard. Probably one of the most exciting plays of the day. And um, Price Stanford hit four threes. He looks like he could be a sharpshooter and, and really be able to stretch the floor. Um, you know, and, and be you know another really, really good shooter for Iowa potentially this season and, and moving forward. Um, and then Owen Freeman being able to finish around the rim is a bit, you know, big and big guy, long, uh, athletic, and um, Josh Dix as well came off the bench. He's a sophomore now, but um, he he was kind of one of the stabilizing forces in uh, that second unit. He played really well. Um, 
so no, I think, you know, obviously, like I said, still early. First real game of the season uh, is on Tuesday, but one of my big things from, you know, watching it, so watching them in, in this exhibition was they, they very well could be a more well-balanced team that, that isn't relying necessarily on one or two guys. They have a lot of different guys that can be you. Yeah, uh, Evan Braun's only three minutes in that game. I think uh, same with Riley Mulvey. So interesting, um, uh, interesting there. At least something to note. Iowa men play seven o'clock Tuesday season opener against North Dakota. That's on BTN Plus. Iowa women open Monday. Fairly Dickinson BTN Plus as well. That's at six thirty p.m. All right, uh, back to football. Uh, it's time for some scoreboard watching in the Big Ten West. There's a four-way tie atop the league standings, including Iowa, of course, 3-2 and two against Northwestern. We'll get to our predictions momentarily. But also playing 3-2 and two Minnesota, hosting Illinois. Only a two-point favorite. 3-2 uh, and two Wisconsin at Indiana, Tyler. And 3-2 and two Nebraska at Michigan State. What are your eyes on Saturday from those games? Uh, definitely the Minnesota game because what? It's not Indiana. Well, is the, are the Hoosiers going to pull the upset? I, I I'm just tired of it. At this point. <laughs> I, I, I'm worn down. I mean, they almost they almost beat Penn State uh, last week, and that was incredible that they were even close in that yeah, game. Yeah, was. But, it was a miracle. Um, no, I, I I would say the Minnesota game because I was potential to get to the Big Ten championship. Still, sort of rests in, in Minnesota losing a game, True. so that's yep. one to kind of scoreboard watch the rest of the season. Yeah, Minnesota does have Ohio State on November eighteenth. Just FYI, number one in the CFP ratings, but a loss now would certainly help the Hawkeyes. All right, uh, let's get to our predictions, Tyler. Uh, it is time. We got about three minutes left tonight in the show, so uh, I shall let you go first. Iowa Northwestern on Saturday. What happens? I think I will win seventeen to seven. One offensive touchdown, It's I think it's rushing, whether that be Deacon Hill sneaking it in or one of the running backs. I think there's a defensive touchdown. Uh, I, I'm guessing a pick six is what I'm going to predict. Maybe Cooper DeGene uh, gets in the end zone with a uh, field goal by Drew Stevens. Defense looks good. Iowa just really gets that kind of maybe exhale that it needs to get back in the win column. I put this stat out on Twitter. It's in my uh, advance as well. But uh, Iowa's defense has allowed one touchdown in its last 17 quarters of Big Ten West road games. So I do like the defense to kind of dominate this one. I think the offense gets one touchdown and three Drew Stevens field goals. Uh, Iowa, for some reason, goes for two at some point, misses it. So I got the Hawkeyes uh, getting that magic number like they had at Wisconsin, 15 points. To 13 for Northwestern, maybe a late score from the Cats uh, to cut it to 15-13. But Iowa, Iowa will find a way to win. It's going to be the story of the rest of the season potentially uh, on Saturday. And I think there's going to be a huge Hawk, Hawk contingent as well. I, I would be surprised if there are more Northwestern fans than Iowa fans. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I think more Iowa fans on Saturday. I and I'll add to that, if, if there is a large contingent of Iowa fans. It, it feels like bringing some of that energy and enthusiasm and positivity, you know, in, in a tangible sense that you can feel would just be big. Given, given, I guess, negativity around the program this season and all of the kind of drama that's been there, being able to have that kind of crowd on your back, especially when you're not playing at home, you know, to, to me that feels like it will be significant. 
Yeah, and th- and that's the type of thing where the fan those fans are like super excited to be there, almost like a NIT crowd or a women's basketball crowd. It's like you right. know, these are not like heavy donors. These are the fans that are like you know flying in from Florida to come to the because they want to see how the Hawkeyes play in Wrigley Field. Um, you know, this is uh, I think it's got the potential anyway to to have that kind of feel, and maybe it's a who knows? Maybe it's an offensive celebration. Remember, Iowa scored on seven of eight possessions last year against Northwestern. That was the best offensive game of the year for the Hawkeyes in a 33-13 to win uh, at Kinnick. So, anyway, I'll uh, be fun. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, I'll see you on Friday as we drive up. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward to the uh, just like being at Wrigley. Heck, yeah. Wrigley you're a baseball fun. guy. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> I don't, but I don't. Is it okay if I mention that you're a Cardinals fan? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I, like I'm you're not, not going to trash just, the place, are you? No, well, I, I don't. I mean, probably <laughs> not. But, but after the Cardinals season this past year, I don't feel like I have any right to really be saying anything. So. All right. Well, thanks, Tyler. Make sure to catch our post game podcast from the friendly confines. Always available live on our Hawks Central. YouTube page. That's two words, Hawk Central. We'll probably be doing that sometime between 8 and 9 o'clock on Saturday night. But coming up next on KXNO, it's Fantasy Camp with Nathan Fisher and Tyler Allen. And Tyler and I will catch you next Wednesday night at 6 p.m. here on Hawk Central, 106.3 KXNO. Good night, everyone.